Hello and welcome to another episode of the Overcoming Life Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Sean Garrett. We have been talking about, man, there's some crazy stuff going on in life, bro, I'm telling you. Right now in the world, politics, there is a lot of control, there's a lot of manipulation, there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that many people do not recognize, and the people who do recognize it uh, are seen as kind of crazy, to be honest, and it is always like that. No matter how many movies you see in this world, it's always the crazy person or always the person who thinks outside the box, who it gets laughed at or gets ridiculed, and uh, the same thing is happening today with... Uh, with people who believe that there was some issues with the election. And uh, obviously, lawlessness does not put out lawlessness. No, you reap what you sow. If you sow lawlessness, you're going to reap lawlessness, right? So that's um, an unfortunate fact, an unfortunate reality, I would say. But what I will say is this. Um, and I think this is super important for us to understand and know we um, we're learning about this stuff, guys. We're learning about the kingdom of God and we're learning about how as believers, um, how as believers, we are to bring forth the kingdom of God. And I made a Twitter post yesterday that that basically called out cr- the church and Christians because a lot of the lawlessness that we see, in this day and age is a byproduct of the wrong, uh, well, I would say the wrong power, the wrong authority. The, it's, it's when we had, when the church had the authority of God and of Christ, it misused its authority and it got infiltrated. And that all, that happened, of course, earlier on, um, in history, in church history, where we see um, with the creation of the Catholic Church, and obviously there was a lot of heresies and heretics before that point in time, but the, the church has always been under attack, guys. The kingdom of God has always been under attack, and um, the worst part is when people who are supposed to represent God don't do that. That is the worst That is the worst thing that can happen, is when people who are supposed to have the authority of God and the authority of Christ and to rule with righteousness, justice, peace, um, and with, with great judgment. When these people fail to do that, go ahead and read the book of Judges, guys. Just go read, literally go read the book of Judges and you'll find out uh, that what I'm saying is, is, is true. Throughout the whole book of Judges, we see people who are supposed to judge righteously, but they fail to do that. And um, it ends up hurting and costing uh, the nation uh, it ends up putting the nation in judgment, under judgment and under bondage, right? And so when you have bad rulers, you get bad, uh, you get what you see now. So what happened with the Constitution, there was a lot of things that went wrong with this election and the fact that no one in the top is doing anything about it, that, that is horrendous. And so that's why you saw what you saw yesterday. That's why you saw lawless people um, storming the Capitol and taking over the Capitol. Uh, that's why you saw that. So it's unfortunate. You cannot, you can't fight justice with uh, injustice with injustice. You can't fight lawlessness with lo- with lawlessness. You have to fight it with uh, well with just with justice and with righteousness, right? 
Um, with righteousness, do we fight lawlessness? Not, not with lawlessness, even though it's easy to do that. That being said, I'm actually getting some updates right now. It seems like the Democrat U.S. House members draft articles of impeachment to remove uh, the President Trump over unrest at the U.S. Capitol. Just, it is just so crazy, guys. Um, a messaging app, Snapchat, locks President Trump's account. They're locking his uh, Facebook account. Why do people hate this guy so much, guys? Just ask yourself, what could be so divisive about what this guy is doing? Why do people hate him so much? What happens when people are driven by hate? Okay. Uh, I'm not saying that Trump's an amazing person and that I'm not saying that. I don't know the guy, right? But what I am saying is before he got into the presidency, everyone was cool with him. And then as soon as he got the presidency, which he was, which they didn't think he was going to win, the powers that be, and which are the same powers who possess the reality of, of power in this country and in the world, uh, rather than the appearance of power in this country uh, and in the world, they were very upset, guys. They did not like that. Nope, not one bit. In fact, um, I don't want to go into a whole political rant, but uh, this democracy that we understand, you guys are now starting to see, I hope you're starting to see, uh, that it is an illusion. Democracy as you and I know it is an illusion, and this is just, it's just being exposed on a grander scale today, that there are people behind the scenes who control the wealth of the country and control the wealth of the nation. And if you can control the wealth, then you can control the government, you can control its people, you can control its elections, you can control its political processes. And when you can do that, well, then uh, the people no longer have a voice. And that is heartbreaking. But um, it's all a part of the plan, all a part of the plan. And so we have to trust the Father that he knows what he's doing in this and allow ourselves to just continue moving forward. Um, so with that being said, we're going to get right into our actual teaching for today. Don't mean to get on that rant, but want to get into the teaching. We've been talking about the kingdom of God, right? Apostle Paul says that the law of God uh, is holy and good and righteous, guys. But many times in today's church, you will hear, you will not hear the same, I guarantee you. Go ask anybody uh, who, who goes to church, um, go ask them about the law. Go ask them about the law of God, and I guarantee you they'll say, we don't have to know about it. We don't have to think. Go, literally, go ask your pastor. Go ask a youth group leader. Go ask somebody who you think um, is, has an authoritative position. Ask them, what about the law of God? And I guarantee you, they give you some uh, lesser than version, some watered down version of how the law of God has been done away with because of Christ. So now we don't have to be under the law. We are no longer under the law, but we are under grace. And that is what, that's exactly what they'll say. 100% uh, by far. And this goes to show that they themselves do not understand the law, and they themselves are lawless, and they're teaching you lawlessness. They're teaching you um, that you shouldn't obey the law and that you shouldn't understand and know the law of God because it doesn't really matter because Jesus fulfilled it. Jesus fulfilled the law, guys, but the law speaks of his second coming, and Jesus' second coming has not yet occurred. Then how is it possible? How is it possible for the law to have been fulfilled? 
If the law and the prophets speak of the restitution, that is the restoration of all things, when heaven comes down to earth and heaven and earth are united back into one in which the will of God is done on earth as it is in heaven. And Acts chapter 3 verse 21 says that the prophets foretold this from the beginning of the world that, that, that Christ was in, is in the heavens until the restitution of all things which was spoken by the prophets since the beginning of the world. Why is it? Why is it that people keep on saying that the law has been done away with? How can the law be done away with if all things have not yet been fulfilled that have been written about in the law and in the prophets? If the law has been done away with, then, then Christ had his first coming, and that's all the law all ever spoke about. So the law never spoke about his second coming. No, guys, the law speaks about his second coming. The law speaks about what he will do in his second coming, okay, and how he will come and the manner in which he will come. And there's prophetic and spiritual significance to the second coming of Christ also. It's not just about rulership. It's about bearing forth children. It's about uh, the resurrection. It is about uh, coming to remove sin. Do you guys know in the first coming of Jesus that he came to, uh, to cover over sin? But now uh, in the second coming, he comes to actually remove sin. So in the first coming, he covered sin and imputes to us righteousness so that we stand before God blameless. In the second, he actually removes sin so that we actually are righteous. All right. I hope you all hear me on this. So we're going to be talking about the law of God. The, the administration of the law, guys, can be, can be done in two ways. Either it's done in a carnal way, it's understood and administered in a carnal way, and those who do not know the mind of the author, the law of God, uh, God, those who do not know his character, if they do it according to the carnal mind, then, then they're not administering the law correctly. According to the carnal mind, it is not administered correctly. So this became an issue when Israel, in Israel, uh, because uh, they started saying, well, you have to wear this, and you have to do this, and you have to kill this, and you have to uh, do this, and X, Y, and Z, and do this so many times in order for um, the law to be fulfilled, in order for you to be righteous according to the law. Right. But obviously, Paul speaks and he says, well, no one can be righteous according to the law because there's no way that a that you can fulfill every single one of these. There's just no way that you can do it. You'd be trying to break your back, trying to be righteous. And there's just no way that you could do it. No way. You're going to mess up at some point in time. And so there's no way to fulfill it in the, the fleshly and carnal way. So when Jesus came, he found it necessary to correct their interpretations of the law. And when did he do that? He did that in his well-known sermon called the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. So man's interpretation of the law were known as the tradition of men. And these traditions of men actually did away with the laws of God. And the traditions of men is essentially this. When men agree on something and on an interpretation that God uh, himself has not uh, has not agreed with that the the scriptures themselves do not interpret the same way. So when you and scripture and we talked about it a little bit last time too, I believe it was last one, last episode of the episode before that, we talked about how 
um, the law of God, people, when you, people realize that if you have a majority rule, then you don't have to enforce the law. So as long as you have people who say, hey, we don't really want to obey God's law, or we don't really want to do it like that, or we don't really want to interpret it like that, as long as you have the majority rule, then you don't have to enforce it the way it should be enforced. You can enforce it however you want to, or choose not to enforce it at all. And so um, these traditions of men, they, they correspond to our modern legal precedents or case law by which men have interpreted the Constitution. It is a natural tendency to deviate from the original intent of the law when men disagree with the intentions of the earlier lawmakers. And we're seeing that today, uh, even in the Congress today, right? How do you interpret the Constitution? Um, they had their original intentions uh, that they did not want to be ruled by a huge government. They did not want to be ruled uh, by a king. They wanted um, a democracy. They wanted a, um, a, well, not really a democracy. I would say they would want, they wanted a republic, but a democratic process. So, so, but we're seeing less and less of that today, guys. We're seeing less and less of that today. And I'm if you can't see it, I, I mean, I pray that you that the Father opens your eyes so that you can recognize um, that that there is a war out there. It's an information war, it's a technological war, and it's um, it's people who are for the truth against the truth. It's people who are in um, it's wolves wearing sheep's clothing, guys. And uh, I mean, everyone who you think looks good, you have to question the motives, intentions, heart, um, words of every single person, and back it up against. Um, the backdrop of 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 what we're seeing, of what we're seeing, just the just the pure basic facts of what we're seeing. So, um, when it comes to the uh, the laws of imperfect men, it seems like it's okay to hey we disagree with their interpretation, but it should not be done when it comes to the laws of God. So the rabbis reinterpreted biblical law in ways that nullified or made void the law of God. And so Jesus, when he came, he actually came to show us the true meaning of the law as God intended. But later years, and this is what I was talking about, uh, how the church fell, the church fell into the same error, and it developed its own traditions according to the minds of men. And the more that men disagreed with the mind of God, the more they interpreted or reinterpreted it to confirm conform and confirm their own biases and their own ideas of what was right and wrong. The rabbinic traditions were written down later years and are known today as the Jewish Talmud. The Talmud is not the Bible, and a lot of Christians think that when we say the law, we're talking about the Talmud. We're not talking about the Talmud. The Talmud is man's carnal interpretations of the Word of God, which nullifies the Word of God because of the traditions of man. The Talmud is not the Bible. The Talmud is a compilation of the traditions of men. In Mark chapter 7, we read, The Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the, according to the traditions of the elders? But they eat bread with impure hands. And Jesus said, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men, neglecting the commandments of God. You hold to the traditions of men. He was also saying to them, you nicely set aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. So notice there's a difference, guys, between the commandment of God and the traditions of men. 
So Jesus had only good things to say about the law and the commandments of God. He had little good to say about the traditions of the elders. So one person has to know the distinction between the traditions of men and the commandments of God in order to understand the truth behind this disagreement. The Apostle Paul made it clear that God had not set aside his law. Jesus has paid the full penalty of the law for our sins and for the sins of the whole world. This fulfilled the law, that is, it satisfied the law's demands for justice with regards to the sacrificial law. And just to be clear, fulfilled is in quotations, quote, 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 unquote, fulfilled the law in the sense that uh, the, the sin of Adam, which caused death, Jesus has covered over the sin of Adam, which has affected the whole world. And by doing that, he has effectively saved the whole world. As Adam killed the whole world and subjected them to mortality and death, Jesus saves the whole world by his death, burial, and resurrection, fulfilling the justice, the demand for justice that the law had placed on those who were born in or under uh, captivity to sin. So Jesus probably could have avoided the cross by setting aside the law, but instead he held up the law's demands for justice. So Jesus w- agreed with the law. He agreed with the law. And so he upheld the law's demands by dying on the cross. And in going to the cross, he showed that, the agree, that agreeing with the law's demand for justice, he himself would pay the price. And so he paid the penalty. He saved the world from death. And so Paul tells us in Romans 6, chapter 14, excuse me, chapter 6, verse 14, for sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace, right? So to be under law means that you are guilty before the law, and you are liable for its penalty as a sinner. So um, anytime a person sins, he comes under the law, and on account of that sin, the law will not release the sinner until the penalty is paid. So basically, it's the case that you owe a debt. Sin is accredited as a debt, right? And so because of your debt or your sin, um, and particularly the sin of Adam, um, because of that debt, you were under the law. You have to pay every penny of that debt in order to not be under the law, okay? And so Jesus actually came and he paid that debt so that you're not under the law. So when he paid the penalty, uh, the sinner, us, we were released for the law was satisfied and it, because there's nothing that it wants from us. If you sin, it's going to want a payment. It's going to want something in return. But Jesus had paid what it wanted. So the law was no longer a threat to the sinner. He is now under grace, right? So a grace is a, as a position, it's a state of being in which you no longer owe what you would have owed if you were under the law. You no longer owed it. Um, So sin wasn't legalized. He didn't say, okay, we're just going to X out the law so that it doesn't matter if you sin because um, we've done away with the law, and so your sin counts as nothing. No, um, sin was not legalized, but but because the penalty or the fine of the sin was paid, you, uh, the law has been fulfilled. So in that way, it's been fulfilled you no longer owe. So sin is still sinful, though. Theft is still sin. Murder is still sin. Adultery is still sin. Sin was not legalized when Jesus died on the cross. 
The law against these injustices was not repealed. Theft did not become a righteous act after Jesus died on the cross, nor did it become an act that would not be judged later on. So that's why there's so many Christians out there um, who are um, sitting all the time because they think that they can choose to sin whenever they want to because the law has been done away with. And if there is no law against what they do, even if they don't understand that principle, they are conscious and aware that there is no law against what they do. And because there is no law against what they do, because they are under grace, um, they think that the law has been done away with, and they think that being under grace means not, not having the law at all. It means that we can do whatever we want to. And so that's why if you are one of those people who are struggling with sin, if you're struggling with cycles of sin, it is probably because you think that you attain the right to sin. It, it is probably because you, you have been taught your whole life that you're in a grace, and so it doesn't really matter. You can just go to God for forgiveness, and he'll forgive you, but you probably shouldn't because you should learn to love him. No. Um, the constraints of love have to be learned. Um, the, they have to be learned. You have to grow up into love and to mature into true love um, so that you not only agree with God, uh, but you also um, you also want to do as well. But in order to do that, you have to understand that the law is a teacher. And so once you've understood the law of God and you've understood that, no, you're not free to do whatever you want to do, then you'll see, oh, wow. So now I have to learn how God wants me to live. And by being obedient to that, then I will come into agreement with it the more that I understand it. That makes sense. So I hope that does, guys, because this is super, super important stuff. So remember, the law is an expression of God's character. And the prime difference is that when Jesus paid the penalty for our sin that was demanded by the law, the law could not demand penalties over and beyond this mandate. Thus, you were under grace. So there's no, um, there's no taxes. There's no uh, hidden fees that, that have to be paid off. No, you are under grace. So then Paul says, uh, should we continue to sin and in sin that grace may abound. How is it possible? That, that literally uh, negates the whole point of why he would pay for your sin. Not so that you can go accrue more debt, so that you can have more grace. No. He says, by no means. In other, in other words, he's saying, if I were to violate a speed, law, a speed law on the highway, the law enforcement officer may give me a ticket, and I might have to pay a fine. If the fine is too great for me to pay, I would have to be under the law, right? Until the law would be satisfied. And so maybe you go to jail for 30 days. But if my uncle were to pay my fine, I would come under grace and the law would release me. What would my uncle do or what would he think of me if I continued to violate the speeding laws knowing that my uncle would always pay my fines for me? Would that honor him? Of course not. And yet many Christians today have been told that they now, because they are under grace, can basically do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it. That they have the right to sin or violate the law as if Jesus had legalized sin by paying its penalty. So by you saying, I'm under grace, you're saying, and not under the law, people who are, who are saying that, they're really saying, I can basically do whatever I want to because I'm under grace and Jesus has paid my penalty. How is, God, how is Christ going to look at that, guys? How is he going to look at that? So Christians, you do not have a right to continue to sin. Jesus tells us that sin is lawlessness. It is breaking the law. And if you are breaking the law consciously, willfully, um, and not learning how to be obedient to the commandments of God, then um, 
you really need to check your heart. Really do. Jesus said that many will stand before him on the day of judgment and claim to have done many wonderful miracles in his name. Look, look at my life. My life is so different. My life is so changed. I did miracles. I do signs. I do wonders. I prophesy. I heal the sick. I cast out demons. I've done many marvelous things. But Jesus will say to them, depart from me. You who practice lawlessness, I never knew you. He says that in Matthew chapter 7, verse 23. If you were free to do whatever you want to do, and if you were truly under grace, if you truly understood what it meant to be under grace, then you would learn obedience. If you were truly understood what it meant to be under grace, you would understand that that means learning obedience so that you do not break the law again. And if you do, obviously there is. Like, if you do it and it's like, hey, I messed up and I I forgot this or whatever, and of course, like, there's there's... There's grace. It covers, it covers over our ignorance. It covers over what we don't understand and what we don't know. It covers over um, the habits that we have we had before. But as you grow and learn and mature, if you start willfully sinning, I promise you, especially if you belong to Christ, I promise you it's not going to be, uh, you, there will be some judgment for you. There will be some judgment, and you will have to stand before God um, and hopefully uh, it's in this lifetime and not in the next, but hopefully it's in this age and not in the next. But um, all right, man, this is this is uh, this is about it. That's all about God for you. We're, we're talking a little bit more about the laws in our next episode, too. But blessing to you guys and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus, who um, has paid the penalty for the sin of the whole world. Um, blessings to you. See you uh in our next episode.